Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Annuity strategies in simple to understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-378-8005 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-378-8005. That's 800-378-8005. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. This is your ASC Automotive Professional, Pam Oaks, and it's time to learn a little bit about your auto. Now, you're the one who's stuffed with all that Thanksgiving goodness, and it's time to stuff that car for a journey back home. When going home, remember, we're going to be double-checking the weather. We're going to be checking that map. And for those of you who are flying, check that return flight home. Lesson learned. Visit CarCareForTheClueless.com and become a savvy car consumer. Incredible. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We're here on iHeartRadio, AMFM, 247.com. Tune in, iTunes. Find us all over the place at JiggyJagwire.com. That's J-I-G-G-Y-J-N-G-O-Y-R.com. Twitch live stream each and every Sunday. Talk America live each and every Saturday. The mix on Tuesdays. And we have got a great segment coming up here in just a few moments. But before we do that, let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. Do you need help moving in the Pittsburgh area? We've got a lot of folks in that area that listen to the broadcast and they need help. Call Pratt's Moving at 412-223-7096 or visit the website prattsmoving.co. You rent the truck. We'll move your stuff. It's Pratt's Moving. 412-223-7096. And tell them, you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. Well, we apparently have a guest coming up here in just a few moments. And uh, patiently waiting to see if they get a hold of us. I don't know quite what the heck is going on here. But uh, we are going to see if... We can get our uh, our guest in here, uh, get a hold of us online, JiggyJaguar.com. And uh, staring at the telephone, waiting on it to ring. That's always fun. Uh, KJagRadio.com. Go to J-I-G-G-Y-J-E-G-U-A-R.com as well for more information. This microphone filter smells like ass. Um, it does. It, 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 it smells like someone's ass. Actually, someone's ass would smell better than this microphone uh, gimmick here, as they say. What is that? I don't know what that is. 
Uh, get a hold of us online, JiggyJaguar.com. That is your best spot to see what we are up to. Go over there to J-I-G-G-Y-G-G-U-A-R. And uh, see what we're doing. And I believe there's our guest. And uh, hopefully we've got our guest on the line here. And uh, we go to the telephones. And uh, can you hear us? I don't know if they can hear us or not. But uh, we are going to vamp, as they say in the radio industry, and uh, hopefully our guests will get with us here in a few moments. Uh, thanks for joining us here on iHeartRadio and also AMFM247.com. I believe there's our guest. Can you hear me, my friend? Yeah, I can hear you. How you yeah, doing? Pretty good, actually. Go ahead and uh, give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Oh, introduction? Okay, my name is Tom Turner. Um, born in 1950 in Iowa. I'm basically a farm boy. Uh, lived in Iowa, Wisconsin most of my childhood. Uh, went to college and then left college. And, um, you know, I wanted to see the world. So, you know, I learned French in high school. I went to France. Um, I learned French in high school. So I got a job in a very nice resort in the south of France as a waiter. Um, spent about four months there. And I just traveled around on a bicycle. Um, because you can take a bicycle through France. It's not a very big country, and I just sleep by the side of the road. Uh, but beautiful country, very gracious people. Uh, if your French is excellent, and I study very hard, uh, they will not say anything to you. I mean, they, as long as your French is perfect, they have a lot of respect for you, and they're very courteous. So I came back, finished up my degree, um, traveled around some more, ended up in San Diego, um, you know, I met a girl who was from Central America, married her, and then uh, by that time I was already teaching. Um, most of my teaching career, even though I'm certified elementary, they put me in um, it's called English for Speakers of Other Languages, ESOL. That's the department of the school where you have all these children from all these different countries who don't speak any English. So they'll find some teacher, and in my case I spoke French and Spanish, so I could teach the Haitian children in French, and I could teach the uh, Hispanic kids in Spanish, which is what you have to do. Because when they get here, they have no understanding at all of English. And if you just overload them with English, they'll go into shutdown mode, and that's not good. So, um, you know, I wrote this book um, because my left was a girl I had in my class who maybe she encountered some trauma in, in her country. I don't know, but she hasn't spoken a single word in all of kindergarten. The teacher advised me of that. Um, I checked her dossier in the principal's office, but I saw no, you know, uncharacteristic things like abandoned or father abuse or whatever. So uh, I just spent the first week, and uh, there's different ways to teach, but I would teach out of centers, math center, science center, so the kids can move from center to center uh, without my direct instruction. And then occasionally I'd bring the class together. So I said, I'm going to spend some time with Marleth because she hasn't spoken a single word in all of kindergarten. You guys know that because she's just very quiet. She doesn't say anything. So I just sat down next to Marleth's desk, desk for about a week. Uh, and I would just say things, you know, like, oh, I like your hair. Um, you know, you know, I'd be speaking in Spanish, of course. Um, where'd you get that dress? You know, I, w I wouldn't question her. I'd just make little comments, complimentary comments. I like what you're drawing. 
And but I would basically just be like like a, an observer. But I was like looking at the floor. I didn't want to pay too, too much attention to her. Um, and then after a week of me just kind of hovering over her, saying all these positive things, she looked at me and started talking and talking and talking and talking. And then from that point on, I couldn't shake her. She was like a CIA operative. Everywhere I would go in the school, she would follow me. Um, you know, because I'd just given her the, the, the very basics, love, affection, attention, and maybe her father was still in Guatemala. Maybe her mother was working two jobs. You never know with these kids, because when they come from Central America, Cuba, Dominican Republic, they're normally from rural areas where a lot of brothers and sisters, not much stimulus in terms of there's no TV, there's no internet, there's no electricity. Um, so they can re really withdraw into themselves, and it's your job as a teacher, especially if you're fluent in Spanish, to bring them out. Let them know that, hey, we're glad you're here in this country. I'm going to speak Spanish to you all the time, but at the same time, I'm going to write some books, and uh, I'm going to use Marlette as the heroine of the book because, you know, you know how shy she was when she first got here. Now she's talking. She's playing in the playground with us. Now she's come out of her shell, so to speak. So she was the principal uh, protagonist, I guess you'd say, in all my books. There were about 20 books uh, using Marlette as the central figure. And then I used the other kids' names, too, as other characters. Uh, and I placed them on a tropical island, which had magical qualities. You know, the birds could talk, the seashells could talk. I mean, it was all basically, um, what's it called, uh, telepathy. They would talk by telepathy, which is not a strange concept for children, because if they go to Disney World and see Mickey Mouse, they really think it is Mickey Mouse. But the imagination of children allowed me to bridge that gap between reality and fantasy. Uh, and so it was about 20 fantasy books where I took Marla and all her little friends and used all the kids' class names uh, in the stories. And I took them around the island. I had them do different things, visit the magic gardens, uh, the, the free rainbow as they go to the beach. And they swim with the fish and they could swim because... By touching the fish, like the fin of the dolphin, uh, the dolphin would breathe for the girls, like Marlath or whoever, and they'd go underwater, and they could actually swim underwater without breathing because uh, I gave the porpoise the ability, or the other fish, the ability to breathe for the children. So I gave the animals the power to communicate. I gave the flowers, the trees, everything the power to communicate. I made the sun smiling. I made all of nature a very, um, uh, what's the word, very positive, very protective environment, because as the story progresses um, after book 18, then I'm bringing the parents because the storyline is the children were placed there uh, by their parents because they came from Costa Rica. Uh, I've been to Costa Rica many times, um, and there was a storm that blew their village away, and so the parents of Marlath and all these other children who I introduced in the course of 20 books, um, place them on the island because I knew the island was magical and all the animals and plants would protect them while they were in the process of rebuilding their village. So, the, you know, it's just a storyline, but um, what I'm doing basically is I'm introducing words which children have to learn at every grade level. So I was teaching first grade, I focused on what's called sight words, 
Those are the words that kids at every grade level must recognize by sight. So they're not trying to sound out words. That way they can read at a level which is 80% independent. And that's your goal as a teacher, grade by grade by grade, to get these kids to the point where they are independent readers at each grade level because you focus on the sight words which are in a book that's like a Bible for teachers. You must teach these words. I, you, he, she, they, went, go, you know, future, past tense. And then you should get the higher grades, of course. You know, it gets a little more complicated, but you have to start with their native language first. And then as you show them their native language, which is Spanish, you write the English right beneath it, which is the format for my book, um, this first book. And then you draw parallels. You look at, oh, there's a yo. Yo is Spanish for I. Look right above it. There's a line right above it. See the letter I? That means yo in English. So you teach them English by showing them right beneath that there was a Spanish and there was some parallel between the two languages because they're both Latin-based. And the kids loved the books, and my daughter was the illustrator because um, at eight years old, she was already drawing professionally. My mom's a professional artist, and I think uh, her artistic ability skipped my generation and went straight to her because at eight, she was a professional artist, and she did all my illustrations, and she's done all my illustrations for all my books. Um, she can do French Impressionism. She can do abstract. She can do anything she wants because she just has it in her genes, I guess. But um, the key was, you know, when you want to get a kid out of his or her shell, you've got to give them a lot of love and attention. And that's just a part of educational psychology. The father of educational psychology, Abraham Maslow, you can look him up. Uh, Google Abraham Maslow or Google hierarchy of needs. He actually built a pyramid, uh, which is the format uh, the template by which all teachers teach because it tells you at which level of the pyramid, the base, and as you go up higher to the top, what things you need to focus on to get these kids to the point where they become self-actualized. And self-actualized is just another term for they are functional adults, but, you know, they're only 15, 16, and that's the stepping stone or the progression by which you start with, of course, you know, as babies, they need food, they need to be held, they need to be kissed and hugged. And then as they grow up, their needs expand. Um, you know, and it's it's all professional, of course, but it's the fact that you're playing with the kids at the same time you're teaching them, and they don't really know they're being taught because you're just kind of throwing stuff out there. And it's so attractive because you arrange your classroom like a play play area, a lot of art materials, so they can do clay, they can do finger paint, they can do whatever, because you you got to spend about $1,000 of your own money to make your classroom rich. I mean, I had books from, you know, the waterfalls of, uh, you know, Zimbabwe or Africa, Niagara Falls, you know, all over the world, there's things of nature that they will never see. So I buy these beautiful books, cost me $35, and I say, take a look at the world. See what it's like, because that's the world you live in. And um, you can use some of those pictures maybe to help you draw. So I had, you know, those types of books. I had other types of books. And, of course, the books I wrote would help them with their basic vocabulary. So just a process of 
generating the materials I needed that the school did not provide me. Uh, and if you go into any library and look for children's books uh, at a grade level appropriate first grade, you're going to have a very hard time because most of the books are far too many words per page. The vocabulary is too complex. So I had to invent my own books. That's all. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio, AMFM, 247.com as well. Now, uh, with this book, what do you want readers to take away from your writing? You talking to me? Yes, indeed. You're the guest. What What do you want readers to take away from your writing? I want readers to take away the fact that Spanish is their native language, and they need to learn their native language and the rules which govern their native language, capital letters, periods, commas, etc. And they need to learn their basic vocabulary first, you know, their family, I, you, mom, dad, tree, house. There's a certain vocabulary progression. So I um, suited the vocabulary for first grade kids because it's written in stone uh, for teachers. You know, I got a master's degree, so I know exactly what words were called sight words. And then I took Mar Left, uh, who was the one girl who was totally silent in kindergarten, and uh, I made her the star of the book. So as a bringer out of her shell, because she hadn't spoken a single word in kindergarten, and within a week she was talking to me because I just gave her the love and affection she needed. And so the The whole purpose of the 20 books I wrote was to give them something that was age-appropriate, grade-appropriate, and at the same time that would show nature in a positive, nurturing light. Because there's so much stuff on the Internet now, on television. I was born in 1950, and there was nothing violent. There was nothing, no bad words. There was no negativity at all. Now the stuff I see five-year-old kids playing with on the Internet, it scares me because there's too much violence. They have access to stuff on the Internet they should not have access to. So you've really got to work hard as a teacher to keep them pure and keep them away from the negative influences of television, video games, Xbox, all the rest of that stuff. And that was the reason I I put Marlath on the island and animated all the plants and animals so that they could communicate telepathically with Marlath and all her friends so that became her protective little group who protected her and helped her uh, with whatever she needed. They'd sweep her cave. She lived in a cave. Other girls lived in tree houses. Some of the kids lived on the beach. And as the story progresses, of course, eventually I'd bring in the parents. You know, but that's probably book 15 because uh, there's a storyline to it. But I'm mainly trying to introduce these children to the fact that nature is their friend. The, the sun is smiling, the clouds are smiling, the flowers are embracing more or less. Uh, everything in nature in the book is obviously very attractive to and protective of more or less. And that is another thing about our society. We lose track of the fact that, hey, we're just another part of nature. You know, we might have cars, we might have, you know, scooters, we might have bicycles and all the rest of this technology, but really, we were born in nature, nature is our protector, nature is our provider, nature is our friend. 
so that's why the sun is smiling, the clouds are smiling, uh, the little birds are sweeping her cage for her. Uh, all the animals are in close contact with her and then protect her uh, and all the other children on the island as the story progresses. So I'm, I'm, I'm bonding the children with nature the way it should be because uh, most of these kids come from Guatemala, El Salvador, and they come from the jungle. Um, so they understand instinctively that uh, nature is their friend because they don't live in cities. They, they live in rural areas. Well, before we let you go, how do we get a hold of you online, pick up your book, uh, everything else? Okay, all you have to do is go on Amazon and punch in Marleth, M-A-R-L-E-T-H, The Little Cave Girl. The Little Cave Girl. That's that simple. That's the title. Well, it's fantastic. It's also, go ahead, my friend. Go ahead. It's also in Spanish. You know, it's Marleth La Chica de la Cueva because I'm trying to teach both English and Spanish, but my main students were all immigrants from other countries, um, and they put me in the classroom because I could speak Spanish. I could, I could speak French. So, you know, children from Haiti, I could teach them in French. Um, so I'd write books in French. Um, but it's difficult for these children because they get here because they're dying of starvation. Uh, spent years in Central America. Their lifestyle is, is strictly, uh, terribly po- poverty-stricken. Uh, a clean glass of water, a fresh bath, forget it. They don't have any of that stuff. And that's the reason they're all coming here and their parents are coming here because they're just stuck in a part of the world where the government doesn't provide them with the necessities, fresh water, waste treatment, uh, schools, and they're starving to death. And unfortunately, because they don't really believe in birth control, that they have no knowledge of birth control. The government doesn't educate them. A typical family in Central America will have 10 to 15 kids. Well, they can't feed the 10 to 15 kids, so at some point in time, they go, what do we do? And they go, let's run to America. Most of these people who are coming right now, they've walked up here from Guatemala. You know, my wife was from Mexico, and she walked up here from Acapulco. I married her. She was a Mexican girl who immigrated with her 14 brothers and sisters and mom and dad. But, you know, it's it's a tough life out there. You know, in the third world, it's tough. Well, I appreciate you making time. We've got to go, my friend. But uh, have yourself a wonderful day, and we'll talk soon. Thank you very kindly, and thank you for your time. Thank you, my friend. There he goes. We have got more coming up on the other side. or more to the IRS and you cannot afford to make payments to the IRS, you may qualify for the CNC tax program. This is a new program and if you qualify, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Once you're accepted into this program, the IRS is forced to stop all harassing collection activities. No threatening phone calls, no wage garnishments, no bank levies, and no more monthly payments to the IRS. Get ready to write this number down. It's the most important number you'll ever need to 
end your IRS tax nightmare. Call Paramount Tax Relief at 800-549-6183 for a free confidential consultation to find out if you qualify for the CNC tax program. Once you are accepted into the CNC tax program, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Call Paramount Tax Relief now at 800-549-6183. That's 800-549-6183. Again, 800-549-6183. Attention type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-378-8005 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-378-8005. That's 800-378-8005. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-809-5785. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-809-5785. That's 1-800-809-5785. Incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide. These folks are absolutely amazing. Build a safer kennel and doggy daycare in Alaska. Yes, Alaska. We're going to Alaska. Whoa. Check them out today on GoFundMe.com. 
They want to create a place where you can have pet products, no-kill animal shelter, boarding, doggy daycare, pet, pet transportation, and vet all in one spot. They're going to give you affordable prices along with futuristic kennel system to help speed up the check-in and check-outs, prevent kettle cough, make your pet feel at home. And, of course, every pet will get the shots they need before boarding and no need to go elsewhere to get them. Just amazing stuff. Go over to G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E.C-O-M. Search Alaska Dog Care. That's G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E.C-O-M. Search Alaska Dog Care and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. We are back live here on iHeartRadio, AMFM, 247.com. Tune in iTunes and, of course, TalkShoe.com. We are also live uh, here in just a few moments here on uh, Facebook Watch. And uh, we have a very interesting guest with us today. And I got to... uh, Actually, I heard a lot of uh, a, a lot of tales about this guy before we uh, <laughs> before we got to see him in Newton, Kansas. I had been told by uh, Dave Cummings, the eighteen-time uh, uh, or twenty-time uh, kickboxing champion, about this guy who was going to be fighting on a show in Newton, Kansas, and his name was the Werewolf, and he's like. You gotta see this guy. He is fantastic, and so uh, we we got to see him live, and now we've got him on the the air with us today. How are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. I'm good, sir. How are you doing? Pretty good, actually. You are. Uh, you're you're becoming like a folk hero i guess you're 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 becoming like old man logan uh in the comic books uh people love the crap out of you man uh first of all how did you get first of all how'd you get this name werewolf i i gotta know this story it was given to me i was in the military i've always been first it was lone wolf Okay. Okay. So there's a lot behind that. My past life, you know, uh, I grew up by myself. You know how that is. Yes. Um, people called me the Lone Wolf. So then later on, I got scary. You know, I was, I was, uh, what, 12 years old, six foot two. So I was really scary. I was 295 pounds. You know. And then people, I walk around with the beard and everything. Uh, so people start calling me the werewolf. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> now, uh, we have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. Werewolf is with us. And uh, you can find him on Facebook uh, under Werewolf's Den, W-A-R-E-W-O-L-F-S, Den. And uh, he is with us today here on the telephone. And uh, you have competed in all sorts of different uh Forms of combat. You've you've done boxing. You've done kickboxing stuff. Uh, talk to us a little bit about getting into martial arts and, and getting into combat athletics. Um, you know, I was in the I was sorry right here. I was in the group homes, so I was in like foster youth. I told you I was alone, probably kind of like a nomad. Yeah. So it was only a matter of time before I got into it. Uh, my friend, I wanted to make a shout out to him. He was inspiring by this. He did taekwondo. Awesome. So he's like a brother to me. So um, he 
I went to one of his practices and they were doing all these kicks and it was flashy, you know, the Hoya. Oh, and I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't really have the money like you do, but soon, <laughs> mark my word, I promise you, I'm going to become a fighter and I'm going to stick to it. That was when I was nine years old. Fantastic. So, uh, everything that I've always said, I've always done, you know, uh, it took a long time. It took a long time. Uh, long road, you know, very humble road. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, the situation I was, you had to, while you were growing up, you had to fight for whatever you had, and you, you know, do or die. You know, so I've always been in a situation like that, no matter if it's physical, mental, you know, just, it's, it's, if you knew what I went through, it's a very humble thing to go through. Well, I I know that uh, you you've competed. Uh, I, I saw you compete in Newton a few months ago, and I know that uh, guys like uh, kickboxing champion Dave Cummings and others have uh, have put you over and have talked about uh, how how great of a look that you have and how great of a, uh, a skill set that you're developing. Um, I understand you've also competed in some Tough Man. Talk to me about doing yes, the sir. Tough Man circuit. Uh, it was, it's good, it's a very good experience, and before Tough Man, don't forget I did, um, I did the first Tough Man that I won, I just want to put out there, I won that one in the sec, and after that I went into, uh, uh, boxing. Wow! One amateur fight, so I just wanted to put that out there. That's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a Logan you know, I like that. I love that. I love that. Like the old Wolverine. You know, it's a young, it's a young, it's a young kid's game, and I understand that when I got into it. And uh, a lot of people weren't pulling for me. You know, so I mean, there's that stigma. You know, I'm uh, the with the amateur boxing. I won that fight, and um, you know, it wasn't given to me. The other guy, you know, he was a couple of years younger than me. So yeah, I was like, all right, they were telling me that. So, and I just know now, to be in this competition, I have to be, uh, uh, it's on the radio, so um, I have to be more professional and more... Oh, professional. yeah. Yeah. Well, you have... So you have done some uh, some 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 pretty cool stuff so far. Uh, we're talking with Werewolf today here on our big broadcast. He is going to be part of a, uh, a a bunch of different events moving forward. When is your next fight? I understand you're fighting Saturday. Yes, it's Saturday. I have switched over from kickboxing, and um, I I'm moving to uh, MMA for this fight coming up. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, August tenth, he's going to be uh, Werewolf's going to be in Salina, Kansas, at the uh, Ambassador Hotel in uh, Salina, Kansas. Uh, going to be part of the uh, the Thunder Smokers, the uh, You Be the Judge Thunder Rolls event. And uh, talk to me about switching over from kickboxing and boxing to doing mixed martial arts. Now, t- t- tell me about that transition and how that's been going for you. So it's just, it's, it's all, it's all mental. I feel like, you know, I've done training in jiu-jitsu. Um, shout out to uh, uh, Virgil. Um, I know, you know, he's going to be checking. He checks on me a lot. Uh, shout out to him. He, had a, he has a very good martial arts gym. I haven't been there in a while, you know, based on, you know, because I went back and forth from kickboxing and boxing. So 
you know, it's um, it's really good, and I'm I'm I am a highly skilled fighter. I'm just sitting back now, uh, relaxing and looking at different uh, situations. However, I'm a, a ride or die kickboxer, so um, even if I do get into MMA, it's not gonna be all crazy like I'm champ. I want to be the champ in kickboxing, and but MMA. It has my heart. Uh, there was a guy, shout out to Calvin Parrington. Uh, he taught me a lot about MMA. Um, so a lot of what you're going to see tomorrow, I mean on Saturday, sorry, is going to yeah. be a lot of Junior Cummings, a lot of Virgil, a lot of Calvin Parrington in it. Um, uh, so you're going to see a lot of different looks and a lot of different style so now you're talking about going into wrestling you're talking about going into jits you're talking about going into muay thai and kickboxing so uh i'm gonna have to pull out the john jones card i'm sorry um i know i might i might they're gonna look at me like oh where was that okay let's get him but no um uh i i we my training camp before i went into the military was all MMA. I was out of a corporation gym. I mean, I got beat up, went to work, came home. So, dog, I was starving, you know, had a kid, you know. Uh, shoot, it, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. You have motivation. So, when I was doing MMA, there was a lot of motivation, a lot of heart that went into that, you know, so... <laughs> well, you 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 have a you have a reach like nobody's business being so tall that <laughs> and <two>. man <laughs> just uh <laughs> just amazing. Now uh it, one of the things that kind of put you on the map fairly recently is this uh fight that you had in Newton at uh one of the smoker fights with the you be the judge folks and um you fought uh, a guy uh, from Salina, Kansas, Chris Calvig, and uh, you guys uh, had a had a, had a pretty interesting fight. And then halfway through the fight, there seemed to be like a uh, I coined it the growl off. You guys pretty much just uh, <laughs> take me through that whole thing. Uh, what were some of your your thoughts and feelings? And uh, I know at one point you kind of just like I said, you growled at him. Yeah. Um, he's a very experienced fighter. Yes, he's very good. Wow, it. Woo, his his he got okay. So I was in the corner. He got me with the hook. You remember that, right? Oh yeah. He got me with the hook, and I don't remember where I was at. I don't. (laughs) He hits like a ton of bricks, my friend. So I'm not shocked. So when I he reached at me, I was like, okay. I tried to dodge back. He swiped me, and then um, I guess the uh, the the other entity just said, look, and this uh, I'm gonna say it like this. I'm taking over, dude. <laughs> just like that, man. I just I kind of just. You remember I told you after the fight, I don't remember anything. Yeah. So I've never been through that before. I've never been through that before. Maybe when I was younger, but remember I said. When you're a nomad and you're praising yourself, there's a kind of kind of tenacity that goes into that, and that's what you saw. 
that's what you saw in the second round. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. It was just, it was time to go. There was no, he's an experienced fighter. That man, I don't know who trains him, what he eats, but that man, oh, it was a good, it was a good uh, first smoker for me. And to go up against, I don't know, they said he only has one smoker fight. You look into his resume, there's probably more than that in there. Um, <laughs> you know how coaches are. They, they train us up, but they don't say where we come from or what we do. That's none of our business, but yes. he's probably fought on the street. I mean, that that was sick. That, that hook was sick. I don't even remember what side, right or left. It's just, I remember it hit me, and I backed up. Yeah, my wife said it was in my eyes. I was ready to go, so she pointed it out to me. That's the, that's when he hit you. So I was like, okay. Well, you you definitely uh, had a heck of a sh- had a heck of a showing, my friend. That was a uh, that was a damn good deal. Now uh, with this transition to MMA uh, and and doing this the, this this smoker with uh, with the MMA rules on Saturday. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what what you can do with that. Um, what what are some of your your plans with doing uh, MMA now? Um, I don't I don't know. Uh, it's up to my coach Junior and to my my wife. She's my coach too. I don't know. Um, it's all in the making. You know, if they if they approve, if they're like, okay, let's go through with it. I see the talent. I see the stride. I mean, yeah, we'll work on that. I'm a stand up guy to get me to the ground. Uh, I'm going to call it. It's going to be a guillotine. It's, it's it. I, I'm good on the top. I'm good on the bottom. <laughs> uh, there's no there's no getting out. Once I get you, I mean, you're going to have to find out something. Now it's not just I'm in this gym training with Virgil. It's not I'm there. I'm just doing jiu-jitsu. Now you're going to have to worry about being on the top, getting hit, being on the top, getting kicked from you don't know where, um, being on the bottom, being doused. I, I'll tell you what, if I had my friend, uh, my coach, my late great coach, um, he would tell you, if you get hit by this dude, just no. I mean, I've hit him. He had to get me with two solid of his real punches to actually make a difference. So I pissed people off. Um, <laughs> I pissed people well, that's off. good. <laughs> that's a good deal. We have got uh, Werewolf with us today. He joins us live, and he's fantastic. And uh, we are we are happy as punch to have him on today. And uh, I look forward to seeing you Saturday, my friend. And uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of the week. And uh, good luck on Saturday, my man. Oh, one more thing, I have to yes, say. I, I yes, want to give a shout jump out in to there. My coaches, my family, my wife, uh, the uh, the staff that's helped me out so much. Uh, you know, the promotions that I'm going to be in uh, soon and I'm in now and I was in before, I just want to say thank you. And, uh, hey, I like that old man Logan. It's like, uh, <laughs> you, you, I mean, just one more thing, sir. It's, yeah. it's no place like home. I'm in the position now in my life where I can pursue these things. And I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm very humble for the opportunity. And uh, you might see some trash talk. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. It, 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 you know, people, uh, 
People don't understand that that stuff sells fights, baby. So, uh, you know, it's gonna be, uh, gonna be a good deal. But, uh, Werewolf, I appreciate you making time. I know that you're very busy getting ready for this thing. So I will, uh, let you go and I will, uh, talk to you Saturday. Thanks for being with us today here on the big program, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. There he goes, Werewolf. And, uh, there we go. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Check out the website, JiggyJagwire.com. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS and you cannot afford to make payments to the IRS, you may qualify for the CNC tax program. This is a new program, and if you qualify, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Once you're accepted into this program, the IRS is forced to stop all harassing collection activities. No threatening phone calls, no wage garnishments, no bank levies, and no more monthly payments to the IRS. Get ready to write this number down. It's the most important number you'll ever need to end your IRS tax nightmare. Call Paramount Tax Relief at 800-549-6183 for a free confidential consultation to find out if you qualify for the CNC tax program. Once you are accepted into the CNC tax program, you won't make any payments to the IRS while in this program. Call Paramount Tax Relief now at 800-549-6183. That's 800-549-6183. Again, 800-549-6183. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-378-8005 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-378-8005. That's 800-378-8005. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. 
they are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call a place for mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call a place for mom at 1-800-809-5785. A place for mom offers free one-on-one -on -one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-809-5785. That's 1-800-809-5785. Attention type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors, inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide. These folks are absolutely amazing. Build a safer kennel and doggy daycare in Alaska. Yes, Alaska. We're going to Alaska. Whoa. Check them out today on GoFundMe.com. They want to create a place where you can have pet products, no-kill animal shelter, boarding, doggy daycare, pet, pet transportation, and vet all in one spot. They're going to give you affordable prices along with futuristic kennel system to help speed up the check-in and check-outs, prevent kettle cough, make your pet feel at home. And, of course, every pet will get the shots they need before boarding and no need to go elsewhere to get them. Just amazing stuff. Go over to G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M. Search Alaska Dog Care. That's G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M. Search Alaska Dog Care and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. This call is now being recorded. You might just be grabbing a glass of water here one sec. No problem. Okay, they're all set for you, James. I'll place you in now. Thank you. Okay, we have James with us, and this will be taped. Okay. Hello. How are you? Hey, James. Good. How are you? Pretty good, actually. Give us a little bit of an introduction on yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Carson Vaughn, and I am currently living in Chicago, but I am a Nebraska native, born and raised. Um, I've been a full-time freelance journalist for the last six or seven years now, and Zoo Nebraska is my first book. Well, this is an amazing, amazing book. Tell me a little bit about Zoo Nebraska, the dismantling of an American dream. Sure. Zoo Nebraska is sort of the story of a town called Royal, 
Uh, Royal is a town of about 81 people in northeast Nebraska, and for nearly 20 years it had a small roadside zoo that kind of snowballed, evolved. Um, it started as what the founder was calling the Midwest Primate Research Center with a single chimpanzee. And by September of 2005, it had well over 60 animals, many of them large exotics, wolves, lions, tigers, four chimpanzees. Um, and ultimately, four chimpanzees got loose, and three out of the four had to be uh, shot and killed. So it ended in sort of a tragic fashion. When people ask me what Zoo Nebraska is about, I tell them that it's kind of about the rise and fall of this small town zoo, but more importantly behind that I think is the story of community, of community perseverance and how people in a small town work together, you know, to keep that attraction and how they can sometimes uh, fall apart in trying to do so. We have got a great guest. Carson Vaughn is with us. Zoo Nebraska is the latest from him. Talk to us about the writing process for the book. Well, it was um, pretty extensive. I started in 2009 and didn't finish it until uh, basically earlier this year. What took so long was not just all the, you know, I did hundreds of interviews for this book. I spent a ton of time making trips to Royal. Um, but what took so long primarily was that the main character in the book, Dick Haskin, who founded this zoo, uh, he had been traumatized by his experience with that and refused to talk to me for the first eight years of my reporting. And so I spent a lot of those years trying to fill in the gap that he left by interviewing people who knew him and were familiar with the zoo. And that took a ton of time. And ultimately, once I sold the book, I said, you know, Dick, I'd love to tell your story. You're the last person not represented here with his own voice. Do you want to change your mind? And he finally did open up. And that was great. Um, but again, that was eight years in, so it took a long time to get him to warm up and finally open to me. We've got Carson Bond with us today. Zoo Nebraska is the latest from him, and he joins us today here on iHeartRadio and AMFF147.com. Now, uh, this book, incredibly well written. Uh, tell me about some of the best reviews you've gotten in the book so far. Well, I mean, I was really honored and humbled early on by some of the other writers who even agreed to blurb the book. You know, Susan Orlean and uh, Buzz Bissinger, who wrote Friday Night Lights. Um, even, you know, screenwriter, director Alexander Payne, who's one of my favorites, he, you know, gave me a nice review for it. And then, you know, now that the book is out, um, I've gotten a great reception both from my home state and nationally, and so it's been a pretty good ride so far. We've got Carson Vaughn with us today. He joins us live here in the broadcast, and uh, he has got Zoo Nebraska, which is the latest from him. It is his first book. Now, uh, how was it writing your very first book? Um, you know, it was hard. <laughs> I started the book as a young journalist, and it stuck with me for 10 years, and in that 10 years, I both graduated from undergraduate, and I also graduated with my Master of Fine Arts degree, and so... This book has really just been like paralleling the progression of my own journalistic career for those 10 years. And so I really feel like I have just grown a lot as a writer and a journalist in the amount of time it's taken me to finish this book. We've got a great guest, Zoo Nebraska, The Dismantling of an American Dream, by journalist Carson Vaughn. He joins us today here on the telephone here on AMFF247.com. Now, this book... Uh, You've you put a lot of time and effort. Um, what do you want readers to take away from your writing? Well, um, I hope 
one of the main things they take away from this is just um you know a, a certain empathy both for people living in some of these rural areas and just these characters themselves i mean one of the things that i have found most refreshing about getting some of the reader reviews so far is that so many people have said um that they recognize these characters in their own lives whether or not they came from nebraska i mean the most encouraging is when i get somebody from pennsylvania or canada or australia saying I know nothing about Nebraska, but I recognize this character in the book, or I recognize this family from my own hometown. You know, I'm I'm really encouraged that people have connected with these characters. Carson Vaughn with us today. Zoo Nebraska is the latest from him. Now, as a fellow Nebraskan, what does this moment in history mean to you, Michael? Well, um, you know, that's a really interesting question because when I was growing up in small-town Nebraska, it was three hours away from Royal, and I don't even remember this from growing up. It wasn't until later on that I was looking back that I stumbled upon this story. And so, you know, this made national news for about half a second, (laughs) and in the state it was a little more popular for maybe a week But Royal itself is where the effects of this lingered, and that was the story that I wanted to tell. I wanted to prove that this thing that was just a blip on the national radar actually had very real human consequences back in Royal, and they were consequences that I think everybody can relate to once they know the full story. We've got a tremendous guest with us today. Journalist Carson Vaughn is with us. Zoo Nebraska, the dismantling of American Dream. He joins us today here on the telephone here on KFRK in Denver. Now, the subtitle of Dismantling of an American Dream is both powerful, relevant, in a country where the notion of the American Dream is encouraged and uh, revered. How does your book demonstrate the opposite? Where does the American Dream and basically the pursuit for good intentions and all that? Right. Yeah, I mean, I like the way you set that up. I mean, you're right. I think especially as Americans, we have this idea of, you know, a rags-to-riches story. We follow this dream and we accomplish these big goals. And certainly sometimes that does happen. But especially after learning Dick's whole story, his version of the American dream felt much more realistic to me in that so many of us aim really high and we fall a little bit short of that. And so I have – you know, a lot of respect for Dick, the small-town farm boy, chasing his primatology dreams so far. He didn't fully achieve his goal, but he sure tried. Um, and so just watching his very human and very flawed story play out struck me as a much more realistic version of the American dream. We've got journalist Carson Vaughn with us today. Zoo Nebraska is the latest from this great author. Now, um Booklist called the book A Fascinating Small-Town Drama. How do you think an exposure of small-town politics and relationships, they basically open up the conversation about politics on a larger scale in the Midwest? Yeah, I mean, I I think we use this phrase small-town politics a lot, but essentially we just mean politics. You know, I mean, when we say small-town politics, we think of, you know, backbiting and infighting and gossip and all those things happen at a national level too and so again i keep telling people that i i wouldn't have written this story if it was only relatable to people in royal you know i wrote it because i found all these themes that people anywhere hopefully could you know relate to and connect with 
We have got Carson Baum with us today. He joins us live. Zoo Nebraska is the latest from this great author. Now, has the town and the characters uh, reacted in the book? Have you gotten any feedback from, from any of these folks? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe the review that has meant the most to me so far came from Dick Haskin himself. I sent him a copy of the book a few weeks before it was published, and of course, Dick's story is sort of the main story in this book, and so I was feeling fairly stressed, you know, and concerned about how he might react to it, but he finally wrote and he said, you know, Carson, as you suspected, this was very painful for me to read and very difficult, but I think you did ultimately a really good job with it, and then he he closed off that email with uh, in a very appropriate fashion, I thought, which was to say that he hoped I wrote another book and that he was not in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got uh, a great journalist with us today. Carson Bond joins us through Nebraska, the dismantling of an American dream, and he joins us today here on WRN. Now, um, with with being a native of Broken Bow, Nebraska, and being in that area, um, are, are what are what are some of your other books you've got planned? Yeah, well, um, I I'm not sure if I'm willing to call it a book yet or not, but certainly a project I've been working on for several years now is one uh, related to the wild world of cowboy poetry. My second cousin is a guy named R.P. Smith, and he is a cowboy poet, also from Broken Bow. And I followed him to the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, Nevada in 2016 for a New Yorker story. And um, I did not expect to find it so fascinating, but I immediately kind of fell in love with this cowboy poetry gathering and since then, I've written eight or nine articles about the genre of cowboy poetry and the different characters involved in that world. And so I'm thinking maybe I may take all that research material at some point and shape that into a book as well. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big program, Carson Vaughn, Zoo Nebraska, Dismantling of the American Dream. Now, this book is incredibly well-written. You've put a lot of time and effort into this book. Um, the, the the book is, there's a lot there. Um, did, did you have, you know, anybody come to you when you got the book finished and wanted you to take some things out, or how, how did that go yeah, no, I haven't had any of that yet, though I won't write it off. That could still happen. At <laughs> well, we were just getting ready to call Don Mazzella. Welcome to uh, Talk America Live. And uh, today, Don Mazzella and myself... Uh, are uh, going to be chatting with a great guest here in just a few moments. Uh, we are going to try to connect here with IQ Al Rizzoli and see if uh, we can get him on with us. And uh, thanks for joining us here on Talk America Live. And uh, you can join us each and every weekend at TalkAmericaLive.com for more information. And uh, also check out JiggyJaguar.com as well. And uh, I believe we've got IQ on the line. Can you hear me, my friend? Wow, what a nice surprise. <laughs> well, uh, we, we... with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.